This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the program on this first day of February 2024. It's Thursday morning, which means it's everyone's a winner Thursday right here on the morning show. We like to set the scene nice and early so you can get involved. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. 1170 All you got to do, buy into everything that we are throwing at you this morning and you are in with a chance of winning. So thanks for your company on 1170am. In Sydney, of course, where it's going to be cloudy and 28 in the city, 31 in our west today. And if you're joining us on the SEN app, make sure you uh, come and have your say on 0457 736 736. That's our text line. But what I want you to do this morning is pick up the phone and get involved with our new segment, which is Thrash It Out Thursday. So the simple premise here is we're going to debate and you decide whether we're right or or wrong. And on that, it's a big welcome to our program to Coach Kay, who's in charge of all the buttons this morning. We'll hear from you. Good to have you as part of the show, mate. So you're going to be part of Thrash It Out Thursday with 2am, Tommy, and our listeners. And three topics up for conversation this morning. We'll be catching up a little bit later on with Ashton Sims, of course, who played a couple of seasons over in North America for the Toronto Wolfpack. We're now 31 days away from the NRL season opener in Las Vegas. And we've broken down this issue to the nth degree. But in Thrash It Out Thursday this morning, we're going to pose the question, the NRL's American adventure, is it worth it or not? There are many reasons behind why the NRL is heading over to Las Vegas in 31 days' time. And we've covered them all here. So now it's down to crunch time. Do you reckon it's worth it having a shot or not? We'll discuss that this morning. There's a fair bit of news around the world of golf and the live slash PGA Tour issue that's been bubbling along, and they've got a deal, well, half a deal. And I'll give you the details behind that. But the PGA Tour has reached a deal with an American-based sports group. They are a bunch of billionaire sports team owners, essentially, and they're going to pump initially $1.5 billion into the PGA Tour, the new look PGA corporation, essentially. I'll take you through what it should mean and perhaps how it's all going to finally settle down because we're at the point, Ian, for those of you who are around and remember Super League, put it in Super League terms. What's happening in, in golf is essentially what we've already seen in Rugby League throughout Super League. And we're getting to that point now where the war's been on, the money's gone crazy, and now the parties are going to come back together in a different look. But in my opinion, it's going to come down to this. As a fan of golf and a viewer of golf and a payer of subscriptions to watch golf, 
it'll come down to whether you want to watch golf because of the players or you want to watch golf because of the format. Do you want to watch the PGA Tour kind of golf? Let's call it the traditional style of golf. We'll take the majors out of it because it's got the great players in it, because it's best of the best up against the rest. Or do you want to watch format of golf because it's changed and it's going to continue to change? So think of the new format of golf in BBL terms. So who or what decides the future success of golf? And here's a good one, the pub test. Now, you might have seen or heard about the four sporting greats that rocked up to the pub yesterday and everyone went a bit wild about it. And it's popped up in the newspapers today. So we've got a photo of Ash Barty walking in. We've got a photo of Damien Oliver walking in. We've got a photo of the great John Aloisi walking in and also Alexander Volkanovsky. They're all there essentially to do what we believe is a massive television commercial. So what we're going to do this afternoon, or sorry, this morning, is play the pub test game. Let's say those four stars are there. You're about to walk into the pub, and we all remember this in COVID days where somebody had to go out for you to go in. Well, guess what? One of those four sporting stars has got to go out so you can get in. And you have to be the person responsible to say who goes out. You're invited in. You've got to kick one out. Are you kicking out Ash Barty? Are you kicking out Damien Oliver? Are you kicking out John Aloisi? Or are you kicking out Volkanovsky? We'll thrash that one out a little bit later on this morning, but you can have your say. And the best, uh, well, the best shout-out for those topics will win a new prize this morning, a Ream-branded Cool Cabana, right? You know what the Cool Cabana story is at the moment where you've got to be in it to win it. And this one's branded by Ream. You can install a Ream. You'll always be in hot water at home. And you can chill on the beach in your own Ream-branded Cool Cabana And uh, we're looking forward to that. So we'll do that a little bit later. Thrash it out Thursday. Plus our last listener standing quiz, a Signet Boost Power Bank up for that. Uh, Ricky Ponting's going to join us a little bit later this morning. He features in the quiz, so too does Super Bowl, and some travel advice. So there you go. I told you everyone's a winner on this Thursday morning. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. Let's get into the issues of the day. The Kiwis appear to be giving Wayne Bennett a lot of flexibility here. The green light for possibly a club and national job. So they've confirmed that Wayne Bennett will be allowed to juggle a head coaching role and the vacant Kiwis coaching position despite despite not being that flexible when Michael Maguire's tenure came back up again, essentially, and the state of origin job was on the line. Let's not forget Michael Maguire's last test as head coach of the Kiwis. 30-0 win over Australia. Is there anything else you'd want to put on the table to say there's a fairly compelling argument to have my job back if I want it and possibly some flexibility around some other stuff that I wanted to do? Well, they don't want to do that. But with Wayne Bennett, which I said yesterday is a no-brainer of an appointment if he's in the running, they're saying, well, hang on a second, we need to be flexible. At the moment, Greg Peters said, he's told the Herald, at the moment, Wayne's applied to be head coach of the Kiwis. There's work to be done during the year with connections to playing groups and monitoring players, potentially camps, but the nature of the role means you could have another job in club land. So there's the flexibility that they're willing to give Wayne Bennett that they weren't willing to give Michael Maguire. Now, sure, one's a club position. The other one is a pathway position, essentially, for the Australian jumper through state of origin. 
So should the Kiwis been, in your opinion, have been as flexible with Madge as they are being with Wayne Bennett? Let us know this morning. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. Uh Look, you've bought into the pub test straight away. Roland from Penrith is on the line. Good morning to you, mate. We're going to thrash it out on this Thursday morning. So let's say you're about to go into the pub. Four of those stars are in there, but one of them you've got to kick out. Who are you kicking out between Ash Barty, Damien Oliver, John Aloisi and Volkanovsky? Matt, welcome to 2024. I haven't spoken yet this year, so let's start with that. Yeah. However, Ash Barty would be the one I would say goodbye to. No issue in the world. I'm not a tennis fan. Nothing about tennis impresses me. And other than her, the rest of the tennis world are pretty entitled people as far as I'm concerned. Oh. So i got nothing to do. I, I wouldn't be there. Oh, so you're just not an... I don't think, Roland, honestly, I don't think I've ever heard anyone say they're not an Ash fan. How are you going to get past the bouncer? I so, I said I wasn't a tennis fan. Okay, okay, you're not a tennis fan. All right, mate. Okay, I, I'm. I, I can. I can juggle that one, so to speak. But that's interesting. That's interesting, Roland, because as we were spitballing this in the office, we were throwing out the fact that possibly nobody would ring up this morning and say Ash is going to go. But you're the first caller through, and you're the one that said Ash is going to go because you're not a tennis fan. All right, mate. Thank you for that. Appreciate it. The Warrior Holic from Wellington's on the line as we cover all of our issues this morning on 1300-01-1170. Love this debate. Buy on in. Wayne Bennett and the Kiwis job, Warrior Holic. I mean, in my opinion, if Bennett's in the running, he's got to be in position A. He's in the mayor's office to take this job. But the flexibility issue means that the Kiwis are essentially going to have to backtrack. How do you see it? So just a quick insight, like I put a poll up on my Instagram and had about 200 replies and got 97% um, in favour of them coming. So I think in general, um, Kiwi fans are in favour. And for me, the big difference here is um, it, it wasn't the split role per se with Madge. It was a conflict mm. of interest when you have a guy like Felix Crossland yep. who's eligible for both. Does he prioritise? So I don't think it's a mixed role because mm. it's not a full-time role, right, in international footy. So I don't, I don't see it as the same thing. Um, I have no problem with Wayne coming over, but as long as it's kind of a, a transition to developing a Kiwi coach who we don't have at the moment, that's reality. We don't have guys capable of delivering, so that's why we have to go to Australia. Mm. Who would you put if you're going to go Wayne Bennett? And I understand what you're saying too, which I, which I, which I did point out. There is a difference between a clubland coach and a pathways essentially coach here, which is where the conflict came in from the Kiwi side. But just say you're going to get Wayne Bennett. Who would you put in underneath him to, to foster that next Kiwi coach? I think it's only really a guy like Nathan Kalis. I mean, I don't think Stacey, you know, he's out for, um, Stacey Jones is openly, but he doesn't really want to be a head coach. He's more of a technical guy. So Nathan Kalis is the only guy that, that jumps to mind for me, to be honest. But there may be younger guys in pathways that I don't know. But, yeah, Nathan Kalis, I'd say. All right. Good on you, mate. Thanks for your thoughts this morning. Always appreciate them. I think that's the first time we've spoken this year, so good to have you back in the discussion as well. Reptiles picked up the phone on the pub test. Who are you kicking out, Reptiles, so you can get in? G'day, Shagger. How are you? Yeah, good, mate. Hey, mate. Look, all of them are legends, but I've got to kick out Damien Oliver. He didn't win all the time. Mm. You know, I left too much money on him. Oh, right. So it's a personal it's a personal thing yeah. with the back pocket. That's what you're saying. Yeah, there you go, mate. You didn't win all the time. <laughs> Too many times I had money on you in your mate. See you later. What right. do you pick out? Mate? Yeah, well see this is the yeah. this is the interesting thing, Reptile. So kick out Volkanovsky just isn't gonna work. Ask him to leave might work if he's up for it. 
but I, I don't know if I'd be taking that chance. Damien Oliver, I mean, you know my love of horse racing and, and of course, the Melbourne Cup in particular. I, I could sit down and talk to Ollie all day. Ash Barty, absolute legend, loves a beer too, so you're going to have no problems there. And then John Aloisi, one of the nicest guys in Australian sport who delivered one of our greatest moments in Australian sport. It's a, it's a conundrum and a half. He kicked the goal. You can't kick him out. You can't kick Ash out because she's good at everything else. She might kick your ass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oliver's out, uh, according to you. Thank you, Reptile. Good to hear from you. James in Hornsby. This is this is an interesting one. So we've now managed to uh, earmark Ash Barty and Damien Oliver. So at the moment, those that are, that are remaining unbeaten in the pub test are John Aloisi and Alexander Volkanovsky. What do you got? Ash Barty, out the door straight away. Why? Why? She's a mum. She's not going to get on the P155, is she? She's going to have to go home early and uh, look after bubs. Okay. Okay, yeah. Didn't think about that. Didn't think about that. Yeah, so see, everyone thinks all this. No, she's going to be looking after Bub. She's not going to be sitting there having a few more beers. She might have one or two. Then it's, oh, no, I've got to go home and look after my baby. Bye. And then three people are sitting there and you're outside. Oh, dear. It's good fun, this one. Thanks, James. Appreciate it. All right. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy is my open line number. So we're thrashing that one out on this Thursday morning. Come and let me know. Who are you going to kick out in that pub? Um, we all remember what it was like. You know, you're standing there lining up. Can you imagine, though, knowing that you're the person that's removed Ash Barty? Like, she's got to do the walk of shame past you. What, do you look her in the eye and say, sorry, you know, but I, I just I just don't like tennis. Out you go. And then D Oliver walks by. She goes, sorry, mate, you lost, to, you, you lost my money. Now, let me tell you, he's heard that plenty of times. So I think he'd be... Not okay with it, but certainly used to it. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. Josh Schuster in doubt for Las Vegas after what is shaping up to be a horror preseason. To be honest, I, I didn't know that all this had played out in Josh Schuster's preseason. And there's so much focus on this player because of his immense talent. Um, obviously, because of some issues that he's been having and the position that he's going to play at the Seagulls this year as in the position on the field and the kind of role that he's going to play and whether or not they're successful this year. Missed the team's final two weeks of preseason training because he got chickenpox. Now, you can't, you know, that's an illness that you, and a disease that you just pick up, a virus that you pick up. And it's bloody horrible when you're, he's almost 23. Then suffered a fracture in his finger at the first session of this season, which required surgery to fuse the bone. Angus Crichton sort of areas there. And then suffered a calf strain that's prohibited his ability to get back up back up and running properly and get back in the condition required to play an NRL game. So out of all of that, I mean, chicken pox, how, do you, how on earth do you avoid that if it's going to come and get you? The fracture in the finger is a difficult, really difficult one. The calf muscle strain, which he's had problems with before, is the worry for me, especially for a, at the moment, 22-year-old player. So let's see how that one plays out. And that's where my worry would be. But if you leave him back in Australia, then obviously you're taking out all the flights and all that kind of stuff. And do they allow that opportunity then to try and get him back into condition? But it just seems to be two steps forward, one step back for Josh Schuster at the moment. Let's go back to the line. Steve is on the line. Uh, as we talk about the pub test, Steve, now you've obviously got some good insights into this. Who's going to be showing the exit door 
um, as you go into this pub that has Alexander Volkanovsky, Damien Oliver, Melbourne Cup winning jockey, one of the all-time greats of Australian sport, John Aloisi, or one of the all-time greats of Australian sport, Nash Barty. G'day, Matty. Welcome back. Thanks, mate. Um, the only one that I can see that has to go is Damien Oliver. Right. And I love racing. I've got a horse running in the Strathalbyn Cup tomorrow. Yeah. Um, but Damien's the only one that's got a little bit of shade in his history. Ooh, Okay. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. I so that, so he's, that... the, he's the only one where there could be some mur- well, there is some murky water. It was a hundred years ago, but there he's the only he's the only one where the mud might stick. Okay, all right. So this is the interesting part, mate, as to the reasons behind why you're removing one of these greats because they've all got. You'd love to hang out with all of them, no doubt about it, and all four of them would be amazing together. But we've posed the question. Who would you be kicking out? I'm just having a look at the Strathalbyn Cup tomorrow, which is going to be race six. So who have you got in there? I've got I've got um, a little bit of the 13, Jugan. Okay, Jugan. Um, at the moment, $101, gamble responsibly. Is it worth having a look at? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Get all over it. <laughs> Love your work, Steve. Wait, Good on you, mate. So Dugan tomorrow in the Strathalbyn Cup, which is going to be 10 past five tomorrow afternoon. This pub test has got us talking this morning. We've still got plenty to get through, including, of course, the Australian Cricket Awards last night. A couple of you are asking if we can play Mitch Marsh's speech. We will do that coming up soon. It's 20 minutes after nine. Welcome back. The pub test question has got us thinking this morning. I'll play you Mitch Marsh's uh, interview, or sorry, speech from last night's Awards night where he picked up the Allen Border medal in just a sec. But Paul's been waiting on the line throughout that ad break, mate, and I appreciate it. Thanks, Paul. So who are you kicking out? Is it going to be Ash Barty, Damien Oliver, John Aloisi or Alexander Volkanovsky? Uh, mate, Aloisi every day. Because? Mate, every day of the week. I mean, he's going to have two schooners being a soccer player. He'll act like he's drunk. He'll go down screaming. You've oh. got to get rid of him anyway. <laughs> oh, come on. All right, I'll let you, as you're walking into the pub, explain that to John Elwisi on his way out. And not only that, the millions of Australians that absolutely love the guy. And I'm one of them. Okay, mate, thank you for that one. 300-01-1170 is the open line number. So the pub test, you can buy into that as we thrash it out on this Thursday morning. Um, Let's hear from Mitch Marsh last night. I mean, we know the kind of character that Mitchell Marsh is. What an amazing season that he had the amount of votes that he won this Allen Border medal by shows you there is a great reflection of exactly what he got up to I mean he won with 223 votes Pat Cummins next best on 144 votes 1,638 runs across all formats with an average just under 60 and a strike rate of 96 helps Australia retain the ashes and claim their sixth ODI World Cup is one of the genuine, great, nice guys and great stories, I think, in Australian sport. Everyone knows I love a good time, and when you keep winning, it just gets better and better. So um, it's been great. But I'd like to um, pay particular uh, thank yous to uh, Ronnie and Paddy. Um, you just you believe in me. Um, and I don't really know. I, I can't thank you enough for just believing in me. And, um, I'm a bit fat at times and I love a beer, but... Um, 
uh, you see the best in me always, and um, you just, yeah, you've, uh, you've changed my life. So, for, for your support, Patty, and your leadership, um, playing under you is an absolute dream. So, um, yeah, thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, I should, should probably finish there, but um, just quickly to my beautiful family at home, to Mum, Dad, Sean, and Melissa. Um, you, I know how proud you'll be. Dad'll be sitting having six dubbies at the Coral Bay pub. Um, and he'll be telling me to stop crying, so uh, it's probably time to get off the stage. But um, this is a huge honour, AB. Um, yeah, thank you for being here. And I uh, really can't quite believe it, so um, I'll see you on the dance floor. <laughs> Just as it was getting deep and heavy and emotional, Mitch Marsh did what Mitch Marsh does so well. Just takes it off into a nice humorous direction. But from what I hear and see from all of that is a person who's being himself. And that's been a reflection of what he's been able to do on the cricket pitch and out there on the field is a player who's being himself as a player and showing himself as a human as well. Congratulations to Mitchell Marsh. Um, the fallout from all of that has been nothing short of wonderful because I think everybody knows exactly what they get with Mitch Marsh. And what about the performance from Ash Gardner as well with the Belinda Clark medal? And you go through... I just took you through what Mitch Marsh got up to in the last 12 months. Well, Ash Gardner won the T20 World Cup, retained the women's ashes, won the ODI and T20 series in India, member of both the ICC, ODI and T20 international teams of the year. 499 runs across all three formats. She polled 147 votes with Elise Perry behind her on 134 and young gun Annabelle Sutherland, 106 votes in third place. Here's Ash Gardner accepting the Belinda Clark medal. I don't have a speech prepared. I don't think I'll be as funny as Mitch, but I think obviously firstly just to thank the my cricket family. Like I just mentioned, obviously going away for a, lo a lot of the year, it's a lot easier with, with all of my teammates, all the support staff. Um, so a special shout out to you guys. Also a special mention to Pete, who I've done a lot of work with off the field to I guess get to, to where I am at the moment with my cricketing side of things. And then of course to my family, you obviously know what, what you mean to me. You're always there. You pretty much come to every single game, whether it's grade cricket or whether I'm playing for Australia. And of course, my partner Mon, you see the good days, you see the bad days, but it's people like you that obviously make playing cricket a lot more enjoyable. That's pretty much it. So thank you. Well done. Two good speeches there. Ash Gardner, the Belinda Clark medalist, and Mitch Marsh, our Alan Border medalist. Rob Quiney's going to talk to me. We'll wrap all that up and look ahead to the ODI series against the West Indies and your calls on 1300 01 1170 as we thrash it out on this Thursday morning. Thank you, Vanessa. As we move into the next half hour of the show, 0457 736 736 is the text line number. Uh, Tim, hope you got out of that what you were asking for, the Mitch March, Marsh speech um, from last night and also Ash Gardner's speech as well. I didn't catch those cricket awards last night. I was busy last night. So if you did, let me know what you thought about them. Um, one of our other topics this morning up for discussion in this Thrash It Out Thursday is around the golf format that I reckon is, is going to finally settle itself down. And I'll take you through the details in just a sec. But players or format, I reckon, is where it's going to end up in terms of what decision we have to make as viewers and fans of golf, which way we're going to go. Are we going to follow the players in this in terms of the traditional PGA, or are we going to go towards a format, which in my opinion is where Liv's going to end up as the team side of things. They're already there, but I think essentially when it all shakes out, Liv Golf will be the team's aspect, the BBL kind of aspect that'll hang off the, 
the side or alongside the world of golf. So let me know your thoughts on that one. Rob Quiney's joined us on the line as we get back into some cricket talk. Morning, Rob. Morning, Waddy. How are you going? Yeah, good, mate. Now, listen, before we get into this, right, you're, you're an athlete, you're a lover of sport, You've, you cover all yep. sports. We're, we're posing this one this morning. Four of these greats of Australian sport are in the one pub, and this is because they've been filming an is ad. Is a joke? No, no. <laughs> well, the way that the telly's put it is good. They've said a Grand Slam winner, a Melbourne Cup winning jockey, a Socceroos legend, and a UFC featherweight champ walk into a bar. And that's what they were doing in Bondi. So they've been... like an Irishman, Englishman joke. <laughs> 100%. But here's the punchline. Ash Barty, Damien Oliver, John Aloisi and Alexander Volkanovsky are in there. But let's say Rob Quiney needs to go in. He wants to go in and have a beer. And the doorman says, right, oh, you can go in, but it's your choice to get rid of one of them because he can only be a maximum of four. <laughs> <laughs> who, who are Where you taking out of that four? Um, well, I think Ash would be the first one to stay, wouldn't she? Yeah. Uh, in I think in Australian time, mine as well. She's a Tigers fan too. Um, yeah. Volkanovski, you wouldn't want to, you wouldn't, Don't you mess wouldn't with want him. to mess with him. Nah. Um, Aloisi, I know someone who knows John as yeah. well, so I'm going to have to keep him and keep that. I'm gonna, and and I'll probably back too many of Oliver's rides that haven't won. So <laughs> I might have to, I might have to say goodbye to Ollie. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, sorry, mate. Good. What a legend, but geez. See you later. Yeah, well, look, you don't feel too bad. We've already had a call this morning, and it is exactly from one of our listeners who said exactly the same reason. It's because basically <laughs> I lost money on him, so I'm going to kick him out. But I, I'm torn. We're going to we're going to thrash it out in the studio. But I I can tell you I'm torn as to who's going to end you up. You can't decide, Waddy. Not yet. Not yet. I'm trying to be. I'm trying to see. I love. Sense, I, I I am. I'll come up with one. I reckon which way I'm leaning is Volkanovski. Jesus. I know. I hope I'm, you can run fast. I'm I'm nuts, mate. I'm going to hide behind the bouncer as he walks out, and I go. Actually, I'll say I'll say I'll say to the bouncer, "You go in and remove Volkanovski, and I'll go in that yep. side window I'll there the as you're end. kicking yeah. him out." <laughs> I reckon that's where I'm going, mate. Mitchell Marsh. I, I tell you what, there wouldn't be too many people who'd want to kick Mitch Marsh out of a pub and go and have a beer with because he's that kind of bloke. One of the th- one of the great things I reckon, and we just played his speech there, is that. A lot of times athletes are told to be themselves. You, you, we've got to get yep. just get back to how you love of the sport, why you got into it, be yourself. And I don't reckon there's a greater reflection at the moment of somebody in, world, in, in Australian sport in particular who's been allowed to be himself as a player and last night showed how much of himself he's prepared to put out there as well. It was an amazing speech, wasn't it? Um, I, I, I'm the same as you, mate. I didn't get to watch the awards, but I, I caught the um, the eight-minute speech um, post or at the end of the awards. And, um, you know, the it was like a culmination of of like about 10 years or eight years um, build up. And, you know, he, he obviously referred early doors, I think it was about four or five years ago, about potentially being, the you know, the most hated Australian cricketer. Um, and and in terms of authenticity around the group, even when he was struggling for runs and there was a lot of pressure on him from the media to, to score runs or should be in the side, he, he was always that person that was still, you know, like having fun and, um, you know, being so empathetic to his teammates. And, that, and that's why he is so loved because he's been so consistent and authentic over that whole period. And I think, no, like... Everyone in that squad, whether it be the Test squad, the One Day squad, the T20 squad, has absolutely adored that 
good things to happen to someone like Mitch Marsh. Mm. Um, he's getting runs, and when he's bowling, he gets the odd wicket as well. Um, he's leading the T20 side now, um, and and one of the comments he made early on, because I just I just turned it back on this morning to see the red carpet stuff for the great cricketer, and one of the things he said was, six months ago, I wasn't sure about my my place in the team, and he goes, now I'm resting, you know, and and that's the the difference in probably mindset for him. So um, I'm a big believer, like I said before, good things to good people. He's turned it around. I guess now the challenge for him is is to go right. Oh, I've I've been acknowledged for what I've done on the field. Now I've got to keep the standard, which is going to be the hardest thing for him now. What do you reckon it also says to other players who? Come in and you've been around these systems and you know exactly what it's like where I guess there'd be a temptation, Rob, to come on in and be like everybody else. You know, you're going into an Australian scenario, for instance, and I'm trying to think of an emerging player who's going to come into the squad and you come in and you go... McSweeney. Yeah, okay. So say you're Nathan McSweeney, right? You've got that that out-and-out talent, um, no doubt about it, but... You get into an Australian squad and you think, geez, I've got to be, I've got to prepare like they do. I've got to wake up like they do. I've got to act like they do. Whereas this is kind of saying, you know what, there's part of that, but the most important thing is to is to stay solid to who you are, which is why you're here in the first place. Yeah, I'd spot on what in and that's the feel of the group at the moment. There, you know, personality does come into it as well, because I think people play like their personality. And if you look at Uzi at the top of the order right now, he, he does his own thing. Mate, he, there's times where he, he is, he's constantly making runs and sometimes at a strike rate of 40 and, and, and you know, high 40s and, and maybe 50 um, to get the job done where, you know, what we love about a Mitch Marsh and Trav Head is they come out and, and they're taking it on for ball one, but that's not for everyone either. So, so whatever McSweeney's done to this point, um, to make runs, like you just stated, is to get in and, and do the same thing. If, they, if they're picking you for that reason, you, you know, you don't need to change. And I guess, you, you know, what you noted before historically is that you go in as one batter, but you, then you try and mould yourself to be someone who fits in with the team. Um, and, and sometimes that, that works it's like because there's standards. You want, it, you want to adhere to the standards. But um, I think when you get into that system, you're encouraged to, to be yourself, um, to embrace yourself, Still respect the process and the people, but obviously to to know that you know you can come up here, be yourself, play like yourself, and and when if it comes off, you'll be celebrated. What about the celebration around the Belinda Clark medalist last night as well in Ash Gardner? I mean, a, a little bit tighter in the votes when when you stack it up against what Mitch, Mar- Mitch Marsh did in his voting polling, but um, Ash holds out somebody like Elise Perry and Annabelle Sutherland. I mean, what a performer! What an incredible performer! And again. The results tell the story here as much as the attitude does. Yeah, correct. And 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 the freedom her batting since you know the last four years has just been go out and take it on. And you know she's won games for Australia playing like that. She at the second Belinda Clark medal in three years. So there's some consistency as well. Um, and then and then I think the bit I think we when she first came on the scene it was all about her batting and her crash and bash. She, she could clear the fence. She could go to run a ball. You know, you know, a better strike rate at T20, but it's a bowling that is just like constantly taking wickets. They were in India, and they had two other spinners there, and she was still taking wickets. She ended up being, you know, bowling the the bulk of the overs over there as well. So, um, hats off to her for what she's doing and and how she's performing. Like you said, with so many incredible players around her. So, um, yeah, she she seems like a bit of a linchpin there, batting at anywhere from four to six, and and bowling, even opening the bowling at times. So. 
yeah, she, she's capped off a, a really good three years, in my opinion. So we look ahead now, mate, to the ODI series against the West Indies, yep. the three-match series, MCG, SCG, and then Monica Oval. It's going to be very a, a very different look for us. We're going to have to get used to new names, you know, on both sides here. What do both you think? Sides, yeah, yeah, what do you think we take out of this series? Uh, opportunity is the word that springs to mind. Different, like you just said, 100%. Opportunity for me for both sides. Um the one thing that I reckon the West Indies might want to and hope that they can take into this one-day series is whatever momentum that they built or created at the Gabba in that final test. Um, hell of a last day's play, obviously on the wrong side of it for, for Australia, but the West Indies to come into that with just some sort of like pulse of momentum I think is really important. So many young kids, you know, we're, we're seeing a lot. We look at um, Shamar Joseph, right, and we think how good is he going to be you know, in Test cricket for the next five, eight years. But unfortunately, with the system over there and within at the moment, he's more likely to get caught up in the in the leagues around the world. Um, so we want those blokes playing for West Indies, whether it be Test one days or whatever. Um, so, yeah, if we can keep them around, it'd be great. Opportunities from the Australian perspective, though, as well. You know, is, is there an opportunity for Josh Inglis to bat at the top of the order? Who's You know, is he going to be the one that's replacing Dave Warner going forward? Ken Green, Matty Short's in there as well. Um, Jake Fraser-McGurk's in the squad. Xavier Bartlett, Will Sutherland. Like, th- these are names that we're, we're starting to get used to on Big Bash. Um, and now we're going to see them in Aussie colours and then see how they go against the West Indies. And, and I guess, you know, without disrespecting the West Indies side, it's a really good opportunity for guys to fill their boots as well. Yeah, absolutely. I'm looking forward to it. I'll be out at the SCG. Can't wait for it. Uh, And, of course, starts at the MCG and every ball right here on SEN. Good on you, Rob. Thanks for your time this morning. Have a great day. You too. Always good to chat to you, Waddy. You too. Rob Quiney joining us there. So he's taken out D. Oliver. (laughs) Ollie, you're out. And it's it's just a financial thing, (laughs) Damien. No hard feelings. Respect what you've done. But you've got to go out because I'm going in to have a beer with Ash Barty, John Aloisi and Alexander Volkanovsky because, and so many people are saying it, you want to be the one to kick out uh, Volkanovsky. On that, GC says if he's worth his salt, then he shouldn't fire up when kicked out. Yeah? But what happens if he does? That's the problem. What, what happens if, he, if he's angry that you've kicked him out to get in? Matty, I'd have to kick out Ash Barty, says Todd from Orange, only because I have no interest in tennis and those other three would be great on the drink. Well, Ash didn't mind a beer. Doesn't mind a beer. Maybe a little bit different at the moment, but yep. Mate, lots of mums. Uh, yeah, okay. Get, kick out Oliver. This one from Kiwi Joe. I should have should have vetted it. Um, kick out Oliver. Yep. And your reasons are there. Thank you for that. Volk shouldn't be at the pub. He should be focusing on his next fight, which he's a massive chance of losing, says Lionel. I'll let you tell him that. It's all hypothetical, but they're at the pub altogether to film a TV commercial. We don't know which. It was all sort of shrouded in mystery, this one, but it's given us a good talking point. Thrash it out Thursday, one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. We'll take a, a, a deeper look at our other issue on Thrash it out Thursday, which is the PGA Tour slash live slash Saudi Arabia investment, where all that's headed, because the American investment now has been locked in. Why and what does it mean for the future of golf and how we view it? I'll dig a bit deeper into that soon. Welcome back to the program. Thanks for your company on this Thursday morning, the 1st of February. Now, the PGA Tour has reached a deal with Strategic Sports Group. I told you about this yesterday, that the deal was imminent. Um, Strategic Sports Group is SSG. It's a consortium of billionaire sports team owners. So you're talking about 
Boston Red Sox, Milwaukee Brewers, um, Celtics, New York Mets, and they're going to put up to $3 billion into what will be a new entity, which will be PGA Tour Enterprises, and it will be a for-profit entity. So they're going to put in $1.5 billion with the possibility of another $1.5. It also means that the tour will offer its nearly 200 members, players, a first-of-its-kind program that allows them to become equity holders in the new business. They would collectively, the members, have access to more than $1.5 billion in equity grants. So essentially, they're being offered shares in the new company as players within and underneath all that. It also still allows for co-investment for the Saudi Public Investment Fund, which I've told you about, PIF. So remember when all this went down, essentially it was like this. Saudis came in with PIF under the brand of Live, buy up all the players, try and overtake golf and own the whole thing. There's a problem in that, in that the US Department of Justice don't like to tick off deals that involve Saudi Arabian investment. So how did they work out that problem? Well, what they did was they went, okay, let's look for other investment. And this is where they've landed. This is my take on this. Where they've landed is an American-based company, Strategic Sports Group, will pump in $1.5 billion. Somewhere down the line, probably pretty soon, the public investment fund from Saudi will pump in $1.5 billion. And there you have your two co-owners of the new entity. So the BGA Tour gets its American-based investment partner, keeps the U.S. Department off their back, Department of Justice, but it leaves the door for Saudi investment. PGA players who stuck solid get their bonus via equity that they can sell on later. The live players have already got their bonus, and that was cash and a lot of it. The PGA Tour will remain essentially as is. The DP World Tour will remain essentially as is, and for a year or so, live golf will remain essentially as is. The way I see it panning out, take out the majors in this, you'll have the PGA Tour and DP World Tour still operating, as you call it, your traditional four rounds of golf, all the best players going for lots and lots and lots of money. And then where does Live now sit on this? Well, they've made it clear, the Saudis have made it clear that team golf remains a part of the sport's future. And that's, I reckon, the future for Live Golf. It'll become BBL-style team golf specifically and it'll be the sideshow essentially to what they hope remains the main gig in the PGA Tour itself. A big welcome to our listeners joining us this morning on SENQ 693 in Brizzy. Thanks for your company. Welcome back on 1170am in Sydney. Here's what we're doing today folks. If you're just joining us for the first time it's Thrash It Out Thursday the 1st of Feb our new segment where we've got a few topics online and we're thrashing it out together. Now, we'll have a little in-studio debate about these topics, but I'm welcoming your calls on this. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. 31 days until the NRL season opener in Vegas. Ashton Sims, who played up there in Canada for the Toronto Wolfpack, will join us to try and pick that apart. But I want to know if you think right now, is this American adventure worth it or not? Is it worth having a crack at or not? And the reasons behind it. In golf, who or what decides how you're going to view golf in the future? And I'm talking about international professional golf. Players or format? 
because it seems to me as though they're all going to slowly come back together now that there's move movement around the PGA doing a deal with investors that will include the Saudi Arabian Public Investment Fund. And our pub test this morning, off the back of the story that broke yesterday, and it sent Sydney in particular into a frenzy. Now, in eastern Sydney at the Nelson Hotel, they <laughs> the newspaper started to get calls about why is Ash Barty going into this pub? Why Why are there all sorts of... Hang on, Damien Oliver's going into the pub. Three-time Melbourne Cup winning jockey. Jo, uh, John Aloisi's going into this pub. And so too is Alexander Volkanovsky. So here's what we've done this morning. We've decided to make it the pub test, the ultimate pub test. Those four stars are in there. You're going into the pub to have a beer. But one of those stars has to go out so you can get in. There's only a maximum of four people involved here. So you have to decide which one of these stars you're kicking out and why. Is it Volkanovsky? Is it Aloisi? Is it Ollie? Or is it Barty? Buy into that. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. The best caller on that will win, win a Ream-branded cool cabana thanks to our mates at Ream. So you can just chill on the beach the back end of summer Everyone's got one, so just buy into it and you can look really cool with your Ream branded one. Install a Ream, you'll always be in hot water at home. And our last listener standing quiz coming up after our next news break. So about 30 minutes from now, we'll do our regular last listener standing quiz. Ricky Ponting will feature in the quiz. We've got Super Bowl in there, a little bit of travel advice that you might want to get up to speed on. And we've got a Signet Boost Power Bank to do that um, for our quiz today. Ricky will be my guest a little bit later this morning on a range of issues, some word around him possibly um, being heading to the US in a coaching gig. And I'll get his thoughts on everything, including, of course, Ponting Wines, a great sponsor of this show. So the last listener standing quiz is coming up. I'll give you a call out. Make sure you take down the number one three hundred oh one eleven seventy and let me know uh, what you think or how you think you're going to go across the five questions. But let's go to the open line. Jason is on the line straight away. So the pub test, Jace, we've been having some fun with this this morning. Who are you thinking you're going to kick out of those four superstars of Australian sport? Mate, there's no way I'm going near the Hulk. So um, on, on odds of me actually getting somebody out, I'm picking John Aloisi. He's a soccer player. You've just got to touch him and he's going to go and throw himself on the ground, thrashing around so he's gone. He's gone. <laughs> Somebody else has said that kind of that kind of you know thought process is is what got, what led them to Jay Aloisi. But but here's the thing, Jace. Right. So, so I, I see where you're coming from, and you've got those you've got those reasons. He's one of the nicest blokes you'll ever meet, and he delivered one of the biggest moments we've ever had. So. Does that outweigh your justification of the fact that you think that soccer players fall over at any opportunity? Mate, I'm a small bloke, so I'm gonna the odds I've got to play the odds, so I've just gotta take I think you know, the Falk's got a big fight coming up too, so True. I reckon he'd be prime, mm. you know, well trained. Yeah. Well on that party, you know, but, but hang on mate, on that on that, if the Volk's got a big fight, what use is he gonna be for an afternoon at the pub? I mean he's what is he is he gonna be on the lemon lime and bitters? He ain't drinking. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good one. Thanks, Jason. Appreciate it, mate. It's it's a great conundrum. You know, we love a conundrum on this show, and that one's an absolute beauty. So we'll get our best caller out of all of that at the end of the show this morning. And 
um, send you off a Ream-branded Cool Cabana. And like I said, the last listener standing quiz. So there's a lot in front of us today. 0457 736 736 is the text line for our SENQ listeners. Um, I've brought us up to speed on where we're at with the PGA Tour at the moment. There's an American investment in it. The Saudi investment will still come. And I used the term previously that I think the way it's going to pan out is we'll have our traditional PGA Tour still there and Live Golf will essentially be a teams event, kind of the way it is now, but the teams event will be the breakout um, product, if you like. Now, Matt has, has picked me up and he said, best players in the world in the PGA and live a sideshow. Matty, sorry, can't agree with that. Ram Smith, um, Brooks Kepka, uh, DJ Mickelson, Hatton, etc., suggests otherwise. Y- yeah, you're right, Matt. You're, you're right. What I meant by live being a sideshow is live being a separate product because I can see all of those players that you've mentioned still playing back under the PGA Tour banner. That's the way that I think it's going to head. Rory's been talking about that over the last couple of days, and I played you um, some audio from Rory doing a bit of an about-face on that because I think I can see them all getting back into bed together under the PGA Tour, which is now going to be called PGA Tour Enterprises, the business, and live the team's golf aspect will be will be a, a separate product that runs alongside or concurrently, however they're going to do it. I think that's maybe the way it's going to go. My question for you guys and girls is how do you think you're going to view golf? You know, what's going to attract you to viewing golf? Do you like your Monday morning in Australia final round PGA tour events every week or so? Is that where you're going to go? Or are you just going to hold on for a live teams event where they all get in and go crash bang and it's, you know, three rounds and a different product, BBL kind of style. Let me know your thoughts on that, 0457 736 736. But thank you, Matt. I appreciate that text. Congratulations to Nathan Lyon on Australian Test Cricketer of the Year. It does seem odd, however, that Usman Khawaja, the ICC Test Cricketer of the Year, didn't win the Australian Award, which was a lot of people posing the same kind of question. And we'll take a good look at that a little bit later on. But let's get to my next guest on the program, a man who played 228 games in the NRL, 90 games for Warrington and 50 games for the Toronto Wolfpack um, across a very, very broad career. Ashton Sims is on the line. Good morning to you, Ashton. Thanks for your time. Matty, thanks for having us on the show. Looking forward to it. Yeah, good to talk to you, mate. So we're 31 days away until the, the season opener in Las Vegas. And I reckon, mate, we've, we've broken this apart as much as we can. And it's in front of us. The fact that it's happening, I think, is really cool because I, I never saw the day where they'd actually get it all together. Can I just ask, what was your initial response once you knew that this was a, a green-for-go uh, occurrence, that they were going to play that doubleheader over there? Mate, I think it's a fantastic initiative. I think it's something rugby league, I said last night in a tweet, it's never been a, we've never been in a stronger global, uh, you know, we've never been in a stronger global presence than we are right now. Uh, with teams coming from anywhere in the Pacific Islands to potentially an NRL team in, in CG and PNG. Uh, there's teams going from in America, uh, over in Europe. There's rugby league competitions popping up all over the place, and it's great to see. And I think, you know, with the World Cup coming up again very soon, uh, breaking into that North American market, it truly will be groundbreaking for us. And I think we're 
position to consolidate us at a, at a grassroots level, but also show our evolution and show what, you know, what markets we can step into and, mm. and, um, and explore. Because I reckon there's, there's a lot of things that could come out of it, and we're not going to know, are we? I, I think it'll be the success in terms of what the NRL are viewing it as, but there are a lot mm. of layers to come out of it. So what do you think, in your For opinion, sure. personally, what do you think is, is the number one priority to get out of it? Well, look, at the end of the day, you know, we're going into a North American market where there's a lot of a lot of eyeballs going to be watching our sport. New market, new TV audiences, new sponsors, players, stakeholders into the game, which will all be crucial in the sustainability of who we are as rugby league, uh, as a sport here. And, you know, I, I always say this, you know, when, when I played for Triple uh, we had, I had a fantastic time. But I was always had that expansionist mindset with a community heart. Meaning, I want to make sure our community, our, our New South Wales Rugby League, Queensland Rugby League, Rugby League in Australia, New Zealand, England, I want to make sure they're, they're thriving and, pos- and prospering, but also give, sending out our Rugby League out to the masses, giving people in, in, you know, in North America, in Asia, in Europe, um, the same feeling I get when I watch Rugby League, because at the end of the day, Rugby League doesn't know me a thing. I yeah. Rugby League everything. You know, yeah. the, the clothes on my back, the food in my belly, the roof over my head. That's who, you know, rugby league did that. Um, and, you know, if I can give back in any way, shape or form, it's something that I've always really been passionate about. Yeah, well said, mate. Really well said. So th- there's eyeballs to come out of this. There's there's a betting, you know, line of, of, of thought too to come out of this possibly. But let's get down to the nitty gritty of, of whether or not we can get athletes to come out of this. Now, the NRL is going to do a combine and you'd be across all this like NFL do it well. Motorsport are actually doing it really well as well. So th- there are opportunities to tap into player base, um, player bases over there that perhaps we've never really looked at. From your opinion, yep. when you look around, how many in reality do you think, how many athletes over there in reality do you think the NRL with something like this can, can attract essentially to even have a look at being part of rugby league? Oh, look, it'd be incredible. You only have to have a look at the NFL combine and what some of the athletes are doing over there. Do all of them make it in the NFL? Unfortunately not, but that just shows what calibre of athlete that is uh, sitting there in the North American market. You look at you know some of the, the greatest sports stars over the last 100, 200 years, a, lot, a, a big chunk of those, if you, had, if you took the top 50, I'd say a big chunk, nearly 50% would be um, from the USA, as much as it hates me to say, there'd be more Australian and Fijians in there. But um, look, it's it's something that you know we can get different caliber of player. Obviously, they haven't grown up playing the game, but if we could get them in, you know, big, fast, strong, aggressive, uh, uh, very athletic, agile, and and help having the the rugby league now, so it will take a while. It won't just you know. They might not get a rugby league player or an NRL player in one, two, three years' time. It's going to take a little bit of time. Mm. Uh, I always refer back to when Gus Gould started the Penrith Panthers Academy, which I remember a few people sort of had a bit of a chuckle at, laugh at, and he had the five-year plan. Well, that's something that could be adopted in this. You know, it won't, it won't be overnight. We won't get a, a North American sensation. You know, we might. Sorry, I shouldn't say that. We might. But um, now look at where the Penrith Panthers are. You know, is that yeah. something that we could use that model or, or for, for this recruitment tool over in, over in America? I think there's some, some really true elements that we could take from that. 
When you're at the Wolfpack, I know that you guys did some cross-code promotion with the Canadian Football League, so you, you go into Toronto yep. and do all that kind of stuff. I think it was the Argonauts, wasn't it? What What's the reaction, yep. mate? <laughs> what's the reaction when they see uh, – I mean, I've spoken to plenty of Americans who are just – that the first thing they go is, what do you mean there's no helmets? Like, what's wrong with you blokes? What do you mean there's no pads? What's What What are you doing? Is that is that always the kind of reaction you got from North Americans and Canadians? Yeah, it was, and it was really cool. Yeah, from the Canadians, yeah, they were really cool, the Argonauts. And, um, yeah, that, we went to a couple of uh, their training sessions, and they came to a couple of our training sessions at, at Lamport Stadium there in the middle of town. And uh, they, they, I, I, we were just in awe watching them, you know. I think like it's uh, the wide, you know, the wide receivers, the quarterbacks, even just the, the big, um, you know, the big defensive centers and all that. They were just, just big, you know, just big, agile, uh, athletic, athletic men. And um, yeah, they'd come in and do a little bit of, a little bit of our stuff. We'd do a little bit of their stuff. There was a really, there was really good synergy between us because at the end of the day, we're all sportsmen mm. uh, and sportswomen, and and that's. Sport just speaks a universal language. Uh, it doesn't matter who you are, where you're from. You know, when when you're involved in sport, you know, sport transcends a lot of different cultures. And uh, you know, it's it's it was just really good to rub shoulders with, um, you know, you know, people who are at the top of their game. Yeah. Well, we'll wait and see. We're we're pretty much a month away now. Thirty-one days until it it gets underway. I mean, they're they're throwing everything at it, right? And Peter Volandis doesn't often get. Yeah things wrong we know that much and he's put all of his energy into this one um just before i let you go how are you mate what have you been up to and and how are you traveling i'm sensational mate i'm uh, i'm now the football operations manager of the south coast group seven rugby league down here uh in sort of like the, the shell harbour kaima Aladulla yeah. uh way and i absolutely love it mate I'm, I'm in the perfect position now to to give back to the sport that gave me so much uh, and I'm, I'm glad to to come back to the local a competition that I grew up playing in. So I played for the Jerringong Lions and uh, now I can focus on the growth, sustainability and also viability of rugby league in our region and, and try and try and influence the next, you know, the next generation coming through and ensuring our competition is is a real premier rugby league competition in, in country and or community in New South Wales. Yeah, good on you. Great to catch up and, and see what you're up to and get your insights into what's next in the NRL. Appreciate your time this morning. Have a great day, Ashton. Thanks. Thanks, Whitey. You too, buddy. What a champion, a man who loves his sport, has um, been through all avenues of his sport at the highest of high levels and is now in that position to give back and has seen firsthand that kind of impact that you can get when you go into unfamiliar territory. Um, So what do you expect out of the NRL's American adventure? Just on that, Peter's texted in as I'm speaking to Ashton Sims there. In regards to the Vegas grab for the NRL, I don't think the NRL believe they can establish the game in the USA. I'd agree with that. They just purely want a slice of the gambling market there. Uh, Yes, I agree with that too, but not just purely. They also see any ancillary benefits that come out of it, they'll take. But gambling's a huge part of this. The, the betting market is a huge part of this. We can even sell the game to Victoria, South Australia, WA, Tassie or Pete says, or any other nation. What makes us think we can uh, sell it to the Yanks? It's all about another revenue stream for the betting market. Yeah. Look, if they can get players out of it as well, if they could possibly look at a nines series over there in Vegas, which I know has been on the radar, um, the combine stuff is an interesting one for me. Why is it? that our athletes are so interested in going over there and trying to be part of the NFL and showing their athletic ability at NFL combine style stuff. 
why not make it tw- both ways? Why not try and get those kind of athletes to an NRL combine? It, it's all about answering the questions of why not. And I'll give them credit. I didn't think they'd get it off the ground, but they have. And it's not too far away. 20 minutes after the hour, we will come on back, ready to take your calls and make sure to you stay tuned because coming up in our next, after our next news break, I should say with Vanessa, we'll do our last listener standing quiz. Five questions. You get to the end. You get the prize. On the text line, Todd says, Matty, what are your thoughts on Cam Smith potentially taking over from Craig Bellamy when he leaves? Just seems to be heading that way. Well, not, not just yet, Todd. Um, the news around Cam Smith, of course, is more from the Queensland State of Origin camp. So he's going to um, depart that scene. Matty Ballon will replace him as part of the coaching staff under Billy Slater. And Cam's going to focus on the under-15s, Corumban Eagles, and also his media duties here at SEN and at Channel 9 as well. So there's no doubt about it. I mean, there's a, there's a name that's going to be missing, but I could imagine that if Billy wants to give Cam a call, there's no problem around that. And so too, alongside the other coaches that are already there, Josh Hannay, Jonathan Thurston. So I, I don't see, I mean, yeah, you're taking somebody out of state of origin um, camp here or the scenario here, but he'll still be in and around it, no doubt about it. And then what happens further down the future? The, the, the big thing about that for me, Todd, at the Craig Bellamy next stage at Melbourne Storm, if you want to put Cameron Smith in that scenario, and I'm kind of speaking, I'm certainly not speaking on his behalf, but I'm trying to piece it together, is that um, Cam's gone home to Queensland with family, all that kind of stuff. Melbourne Storm's in Melbourne. You know what I mean? I, I just don't know if that's going to work back down there again possibly, possibly further down the track, but we, we don't know. Um, Aaron Bellamy, Mark Brentnell, both assistants at the Storm. So th- there are going to be plenty of opportunities and whoever does take over the Melbourne Storm will have Craig Bellamy there anyway in a coaching director role. Thank you for that. 0457 736 736. Tony says, if Ashton is involved in, I'm tipping success for Group 7. I mean, just so much energy from Ashton Sims on, on all fronts and so much love for the game, which is just great to hear and good to hear that he's enjoying exactly what he's doing. Matty, I reckon at the end of the day, says Matt, all of the, all that golf lovers want, the best fields in majors. So I took majors out of this whole debate um, around PGA and live. But as Matt points out, the majors are everything. The best live player last year was Taylor Gooch. If he can't play majors, then the status of majors must be in question. So it's always been the prickly part of this whole debate, right? It's always been the even more complex part. The rest is really, when you boil it down, is fairly straightforward. You're either going to go play at live and get a truckload of cash for doing so, and therefore you can't at the moment play on this tour, or you stick with this tour and try and make your money that way and hope that they get their act together. And in between under different guises for the major tournaments, the four major tournaments that all have different operational standards and different ways to get in and all that kind of stuff. But I agree with you that the four majors in golf are sacrosanct and they should be open to all golfers who can qualify to be there or be exempt to return there after winning. This is a a different level and it's all shaking out as we speak. And, 
the closer we get to it, I'm now starting to get really interested in what does the future of golf look like? Because this had nothing to do with anything but ownership of golf, of an entity. That, that's what it was all about. Don't tell me that you can make a $400 million investment in one player and expect to get that money back. So it wasn't about that. It, it was about who's going to own this, this game. And the Saudis made it very clear they were going to throw a lot of money at it to be the owners of the game. And essentially, they'll end up halfway there. So what was Super League all about? It wasn't about rugby league. It was about TV and pay TV. What's all this about? This isn't about the game of golf. This is all about ownership of a sport and everything that follows underneath it. So, yeah, I'm really interested to see the next stage on that. Right, one three hundred oh one eleven seventy is my open line number. Time for you to hit the phones right now. Tommy's ready to take your call. We will do the last listener standing quiz after the news, but you've got to be in it to win it. A Signet Boost power bank, which will keep your phone, tablet, and earbuds power 24-7 is up for the winner. Five questions. Jump on the line. If you're the last listener standing, you will win the morning show quiz. Thank you for that, Vanessa. Vanessa in the SEN newsroom. 0457 736 736 is the text line. I'll get to some of those in just a sec. But 1300 01 1170, that's the number you need to dial now. And our callers are coming through. So join the queue. Um, the quicker, the better. You're higher up on the queue and you've got more chance to win. I've got to say, though, I think today's quiz might be on the easier side of things. We're just easing back into 2024. The Signet Boost Power Bank is up for grabs. Just on our pub test texts, Ben from the pond said uh, the Volk could be designated driver if he's not drinking. So, yeah, is that why you're kicking him out though? Matty, I wouldn't kick any of those stars out of the pub, but for me, I will call D Oliver out to wear his silks while I wear a horse costume and piggyback him in the pub. Well, you didn't answer the question, so you can't... You have to kick somebody out in our scenario here, Um, Junior Smithy. Good to hear from you. But somebody's got to go because there's only a maximum of four people in the pub in our little scenario. But thank you for that. All righty, folks, it is time to do this. It's time for Matt's Last Listener Standing Quiz. Which basically is exactly what I just said. But that one makes it official, doesn't it? It puts us in the mood for it. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. Let's start with you, John. Good morning to you. Five questions. If you get them all right, a Signet Boost power bank is yours. Let's start with cricket. How many BBL wickets, John? How many BBL wickets did Stephen O'Keefe finish his career with? Oh, no, 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 no. You can just hang on, hang on, don't go anywhere because we'll come back to you if we trip over along the way. Okay, let's go to you, Jim. Good morning to you, Jim. Thank you, mate. Um, how are you with cricket cricket knowledge? Whoop, you there, Jim? I think we're still with John. Can we get to Jim there? Yeah. Okay, Jim, are you there? Let's start again. Jim, go for it, mate. You got me? Oh, <laughs> we're going backwards. John, are you still there? Is that you? Uh, no, we're all over the place. We are all over the place this morning. Okay, John, Jim, hold on for a second. Let's sort that one out. I'll send it back to Tommy and we'll technically sort that out because we've got we've got callers there, um, but we just can't get to them, which is a problem, which means um, K-Man, you and I might end up doing this quiz. 
Well, you and Tommy might end up doing We might have to press pause on the damn thing. So BBL wickets was the first question Stephen O'Keefe finished his career with. I'll give you a little clue ski, folks. It was, he took one in the final. Two would have been better. <laughs> Two would have been better for a nice round number, so to speak. But he took one in the final. The whole phone system has, you know, watered itself right there. Okay. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. Keep that uh keep that handy and we'll get back to that one when we can. Now, let's get back to our other questions around rugby league while we wait and see what's happening there. What do you think about the NRL's American adventure? What do you think about Wayne Bennett being given the green light for club and national duties by the New Zealand Rugby League, if that's the way that it pans out. They're okay to do that. And do you think that that's different or not to the scenario where they wouldn't um, be open to the thought of Michael Maguire coaching New South Wales and Australia? Definitely one is different in terms of, well, they're, they're different in terms of one's club, one's state. One doesn't have a direct pathway through essentially to an Australian jumper. And that's where the mixture started to come through. So most people's opinions say, hang on a second, let's just, let's just have a look at this for what it is. Wayne Bennett's not coaching state of origin and therefore it's a different pathway completely. If he wants to coach at Clubland and continue that, then so be it. Um, and I agree with that. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. Right, let's see if we can go to Jim. We need to go to Jim from Quakers Hill. Let's try again. Take two, Jim. You got me? Yeah, I got you, mate. Okay, sorry for that, mate. Prob going? Probably at our end on that one. Let's fire through this. How many BBL wickets did Steve O'Keefe finish with in his career? Stab in the dark, 16. No, many, many more than that. Many more than that, which, oh. com which comes back to oh, you, man. which comes back to you, John. So the phone lines have, have made this a bit of a two-horse race at the moment. Try and dive in if you can. John, what did he finish his career with? Um, based on your clue, I'm going to say 98. Oh. <laughs> no, it's it's actually 99. This whole phone system shut itself down, so we're just going to put an end to that for a second. We'll go to where it's a break. We'll come back and we will reset this one. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy is the best way to do it. Back after this break. I love it when things go pear-shaped we get to get them back on track. Uh, as Matt says, this is Radio Gold. The battle of Jim and John is like the thriller in Manila. Well, guess what? We've got a new player. Now, one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. We've sorted out our issues, so apologies for that. But it means that um, it means that we're back at square one. And Liam, Liam in Ipswich is buying into the conversation. Good to hear from you. So you can join in, one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. Righto, Liam, I reckon you're going to go the distance here. Let's go. How many BBL wickets did Steve O'Keefe finish his career with? Me favourite BBL player, mate, 99. He's a champion, 99. Socky boy. How many test centuries did Ricky Ponting score? Oh. <laughs> it's a tricky, tricky one. Test centuries, and Ricky's going to join us soon. No, 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 more than 32. You stay on the line because Jim, Jim is there. So, Jim, we've had a, plenty of cracks at you. So, Ricky Ponting scored more than 32. He scored more than 40, just. Scored more than 40. So, there's your clue. How many test centuries did Ricky score? Okay. Uh, Ricky, yeah. I, I have a stab in the dark. Yeah. I say 42. Oh. Mate, you, you're missing by inches at the moment.
Liam, it wasn't it wasn't forty two. It was close though. Forty one. Forty one. Yeah, well done. I spoke to the CEO of the National Basketball League yesterday. The NBL is considering a partnership, Liam, with um, pre-season matches and possible expansion with another league internationally, sort of a little bit further north than us. Do you know which league they're talking to? A little bit further north than us. Yeah, we've been up to Singapore. Oh. Remember we had the Singapore Slingers? There's a B League up there, yeah. it's called. China? No, 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 no. <laughs> Jim, do you know where we're, where we're looking for possible expansion and, and uh, partnerships with the NBL? They've been shaking um, a little bit recently. There's been a few earthquakes all, up there. Mate, I don't know, chance. These are all stars in the dark. <laughs> um, um, Singapore. Have a, have a crack. No, I've been to Singapore. <laughs> this is dead set like a game of tennis. <laughs> Japan, Liam, yes, you're in. You're in. Okay. Oh, oh, man. I'm working up a sweat here, Liam. I hope you are too. Now, listen, work with me on this one, right? As we know, visas into the US are a hot topic with the NRL. So you probably heard about an ESTA application. What does ESTA stand for? I'll give you the first bit. It is called the Electronic System for Travel What? Beginning with A. I'm not going to get it, but we'll go acceptance. No, not acceptance. The good thing is, it's a, it's. There's only two dogs in the fight at the moment, mate. So let's see if Jim can catch it going. <laughs> the way this system is working, which is back and forth, back and forth. Electronic system for travel. What? Esther, Jim, another stab in the dark. Uh, electronic, electronic system assessment for travel, not assessment. It, it's, it's kind of like being authorised as in really kind of like being authorised. Liam? <laughs> authorisation. Authorised? <laughs> yes, authorisation. Oh, man. Okay, mate, here we go. Yeah, what is the name of the trophy that you win when you win the Super Bowl? Oh, are the Lambo? Ooh, it's not, that Lambo oh, is a Lombardi, Lombardi. Yes, the Vince Lombardi Trophy. Good on you. I'll tell you what we're going to do. Now, this will freak Tommy out, but I'll tell you what we're going to do. Because, Jim, we put you through what we put you through, I'm going to send you back to Tommy, and we're going to find you a Signet Boost power bank for being part of that and getting close and being the only other player on the side in the net, courtesy of our, our little uh, technical dramas. And, Liam, you're going to get one as well for being the winner of the quiz. Whew. Congratulations to both. 99 career test uh, BBL wickets for Steve O'Keefe. 41 test centuries for Ricky Ponting. Japan is who we're considering a partnership with in the NBL. It is the Electronic System for Travel Authorization, the ESTA, and you win the Vince Lombardi Trophy when you take out the Super Bowl. Oh, how are you after that, Coach K? That's your, that's your first your first edition of the last list. It does run much more smoothly than that, believe me. Uh, right? That's how it runs. Um, by the way, welcome. Welcome, mate. It's, it's great to have you on the show. So you've taken over the whole panelling situation. You're going to be the regular feature right here. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, Matty. It would be good to spend uh, the year with you, no doubt, in 24. But, yeah, wow. I see what I'm sweating after that. Yeah. <laughs> nice to see someone run away sweating. within the end. You were sweating. Tommy's left. He's just, he's just bailed. <laughs> so he just went, no, no, no. <laughs> 
don't hand this one back to me. How many of those would you have got? You would have got Socky on 99? Yeah, Socky 99, just because he works at SCN. I feel like he, he won't sharp about it every yep. time he works with us now that he's yep. uh, stopped playing. 41 uh, for Ricky. Would you have got Wouldn't Ricky's? have got that, no. But I tell you what, I would have got the Japanese B-League, being an NBL fan myself. Yep. The Esther would have stumped me. But yep. the NFL one I would have got, yeah, no doubt. The Vince Lombardi trophy, everyone yep. should know that. Yeah, the Esther one was a little bit of a tricky one. But I thought, you know what, we might be here all day. So I had to lead the witness. <laughs> <laughs> so you now have an idea of how sort of loose the rules are around the uh, last listener standing quiz. Very much so. And it is competitive, which we like. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now, before we, we move on, because we are going to have to get to a break, the pub test. We are going to debate this. Uh, I'll get Tommy in. You, me, and Tommy can debate this about who we would be kicking out. But it comes with a reason why. So I'm going to get you thinking about whether it's Alexander Volkanovsky, whether it's Damien Oliver, whether it's Ash Barty, or whether it's John Aloisi. You've got to kick one of those out to be able to spend the day with the other three. So it's the conundrum that you're going to have to think about and I want you to think about it hard and fast. Uh, Ricky Ponting will join us as well in our next hour of the program. Always great to have Ricky. We'll cover pontingwines.com.au Now if you want to get into Ponting Wines here's a really good way to do it because you'll get up to 20% off by virtue of the fact that you're a morning show listener. Use the code SEN20 as in two zero, and that'll offer 20% off purchases direct from the winery. Pontingwines.com.au AU. There's some articles around that Ricky's been in discussions with Major League Cricket, the Washington Freedom. So I can ask him about that. And of course, he can tell me what they're up to in the wine growing department because his, his diary's chock a block, as you can imagine. But as we regularly speak to Ben and David from Ponting Wines, when he's, when he's hands on, he's right into it. So we'll get his take on all things wine and cricket. Not a bad mix to do on this Thursday morning, the 1st of February, right here on SEN. As we're heading towards the next news break with Vanessa, a lot of people have been asking about this this morning. Some have caught little bits and pieces of it. Um, We can't play the whole eight minutes, but here's a minute or so of Mitchell Marsh accepting the Allen Border medal last night. Everyone knows I love a good time, and when you keep winning, it just gets better and better. So um, it's been great, but I'd like to um, pay particular uh, thank yous to uh, Ronnie and Paddy. You just, you believe in me, um, and I don't really know. I, I can't thank you enough for just believing in me. And, um, I'm a bit fat at times, and I love a beer, but... Um, <laughs> um, but you see the best in me always, and um, you just, yeah, you've, uh, you've changed my life, so for, for your support, Paddy, and your leadership, um, playing under you is an absolute dream, so, um, yeah, thank you very much. Yeah. I uh, should, should probably finish there, but um, just quickly to my beautiful family at home, to mum, dad, Sean and Melissa. Um, you, I know how proud you'll be. Dad will be sitting having six dubbies at the Coral Bay pub. <laughs> um, and he'll be telling me to stop crying, so uh, it's probably time to get off the stage. But um, this is a huge honour, AB. Um, yeah, thank you for being here. And I uh, really can't quite believe it, so um, I'll see you on the dance floor. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know how much you can react off that aside from saying that it was a wonderful speech and delivered with absolute humility from a man with um, such a great turn of phrase too. 
you know, when he got himself in a hole there emotionally, he got out with a gag as well. And a long, a long way down the track from 2019 when this was Mitch Marsh speaking about during the 2019 Ashes series when, when, when he said that most of Australia hated him. Yeah, most of Australia hate me. <laughs> Look, Australians are passionate. They love their cricket. They want people to do well. There's no doubt that I've had a lot of opportunity at test level and I haven't quite nailed it, but hopefully they can respect me for the fact that I keep coming back and I love playing for Australia. I love wearing the baggy green cap and I'll keep trying and hopefully I'll win them over one day. Well, I reckon that's already taken place, if not when he actually made that little speech or, or, or said those words back there, but certainly after last night. Congratulations to you, uh, Mitch, and also to Ash Gardner, the Belinda Clark medalist, for the second time for Ash Gardner. 0457 736 736. So coming up in our final hour of the program, Jimmy Smith will be on a little bit later as always, but coming up, Ricky Ponting will join me. 2am Tommy and Coach K and myself are going to discuss this Thursday thrash it out session. And we'll take aim in particular at the pub test, who we're going to kick out and why. You can give me your thoughts on that. If you missed it earlier, I caught up with Ashton Sims. Uh, you can catch up on our Twitter platform or X platform at Matty White SEN and that interview with Ashton Sims, who had some great thoughts around what the NRL would be, should be, and could be looking for with their American adventure on all levels. So you can catch up on that. Uh, on our X page at Matty White SEN. That's the music. We're heading to the news. Come back and join us after this. Well, welcome back to the program on this first day of February 2024. Our Thrash It Out Thursday session is about to take place for the first time ever. Tommy's come into the studio. Coach K is now in the studio to one of our listeners. Dan said, uh, is Coach K still working with Jimmy? Nope. Pinched him. Got him. Got him. Uh, Going to have to say Damien Oliver, just the age gap gets me, says Dan, um, in terms of who you're going to kick out. And another one here from Simon from Balgowney who said, Matty, just tuned in, so I don't know what the conversation topic is today. Well, we'll get to that, but I'm just loving the Pipeline, pipeline uh, Pro from the Hawaii North Shore on Fox Sports and Pipelines Pumping. I just jumped on the WSL website, so the World Surf League website, where you can also watch it live and the waves look really good. So remember, it was postponed day one. So they're into the opening round heats. And in the water at the moment in terms of Australians is Jacob Wilcox. He's in his heat, which is the 12th heat. Um, where's he at? He's third out of this one. So he needs to pull out a good wave at the moment. And the waves are looking nice, 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 nice. Jack Robinson went through. He's gone straight through to the round of 32 in a heat that also included Kelly Slater. So Jack finished on top of his heat and Kelly also going through to the round of 32 there. So it's all going on at uh, the Lexus Pipe Pro is what it's called right now. And when they pick up these waves, they are glassy. I mean, the weather conditions look fantastic. Doesn't look too windy at all. And the waves are absolutely pumping. So we'll keep you on top of that. Other news around, um, courtesy of Vince Regari in the Sydney Morning Herald this morning, Ange Postacoglu could be... Heading on back. So Tottenham Hotspur in talks to face the A-League's All-Stars in an exhibition match that would be three days after the English Premier League season. So they're talking about a match in May. Wednesday, the 22nd of May at the moment is the date that's on the table. Victorian government promoters are all into this one. That would be three days after Tottenham's final league match, which will be away to Sheffield United and three days before the FA Cup final 
at Wembley. And, of course, Tottenham out of the FA Cup. So that means that discussions have resumed, according to Vince here. The A-League's All-Stars are firmly in the mix, potentially pitting Postacoglu against the competition in which he revived his coaching career with Brisbane Roar after being dumped as coach of the Young Socceroos back in 2007. Amazing, the old swings and roundabouts thing and the way that it works out. But that would be just massive, wouldn't it? They'll pull in a huge crowd, and if they can get it all together, the Ange factor is gigantic as well. So we'll have a good look at that um, as more details come in on that. How on earth, says Dan, does Kelly Slater do it? (laughs) That is one of the great questions that I don't have an answer for, aside to say that the bloke's a freak and he's just maintained that longevity in his career, which is one of the hallmarks of greatness. There's no doubt that Kelly Slater's the greatest. It's just... We, we know all that, but to continue to keep on going at the level that he is, I don't know the answer, Dan, so it's a damn good question. Uh, congratulations, congratulations and welcome to the great Cater Mornings with Matty. Yeah, we, we need to have a discussion, Coach K, about, you know, what you're going to bring to the table, as, as in, not I'm putting you on notice here, as in, what you're going to pinch from Jimmy. <laughs> right, so... When you, because you've still got the keys, I take it, to Jimmy's executive suite. So you could probably go in there. We could always do with the prizes. You know, the prizes just seem to vanish in this office because mostly they've been in your world. So I want you to go in and get them. Can you do that for us? Righto. Let's thrash it out on this Thursday morning with a couple of topics. Tommy, good morning to you. Let's see. Has Tommy got any coins that he wants to throw on this table or you buys you into the argument. Let's thrash it out Thursday. And here's what we're going to do, because our listeners have had lots to say about this. So I've got three questions for us here, and we'll pick through them one by one. We'll start with rugby league. 31 days away now until the NRL's American adventure begins. We'll get all of the stats and numbers and metrics and yada, yada, yada afterwards. But at this stage, now that it's good to go, is it worth having a shot, do you think, for the NRL or not? Tommy? Yeah, I agree. You've you got to adapt or die, Matty. I think it's always good to be. I mean, like, I th- I think a poor thing to do is just kind of, you know, just rest on your laurels and say, you know, you know, we're the biggest, you know, maybe the second biggest sport code in this country. I think it's a wise thing to do when it, when it comes to going over to the United States. I know the first thing or some, some skeptics, some people who are a bit more cynical would say, oh, just there for the money for the gambling money. And I think that is one of the main reasons, like let's not beat around the bush there. But as Ashton Sims pointed out, Brad Walters, uh, Brad Walter from the NRL.com wrote a really good article yesterday or earlier this week pointing this out as well. I think one of the key things is, is that combine that they're putting on in the States. Um, and Ashton raised a really good point and he made a good comparison when it comes to Phil Gould and the Penrith Panthers, the system that they're going to put in place. I don't think you're not going to see the fruits of the labor in the first, first year or the second year. But I mean, if a couple of years down the track, if we can, if some NRL clubs can um, identify some talent over there in the States, which they have an excess of because only so many players can go to the NFL or the XFL, or CFL or whatever. If we can identify a handful of talent and then in a few years time, they're able to play reserve grade in the New South Wales Queensland Cup and then make their NRL first grade debut along with, so you have that along with all the gambling money and the revenue that you're getting in the United States. I don't see why it's a bad thing. 
So is it worth the investment? Because it is about money. There's a massive part of this that's about money. It's costing you money to get there. It's going to cost a lot of money to put this on. And the investment may be returned further down the track. Do you reckon it's worth it, Coach K? I absolutely do. I think, well, we don't know what the crowd figure is going to be. So I don't think they're too concerned about the crowd as such. I mean, the broadcast still for it would be okay. Think about how many people are watching it. Um, If the NRL can get a lot of people interested in the States in what it's all about, you know, you can buy, I think you can buy like a little league pass um, for the for the NRL website to watch it overseas. So if they can boost a few numbers, I mean, think about the population there. That's mm. also going to be a win for them if they can manage to do that. Yeah, so they're hoping to get, Volandis has made steadfast in the fact that they're hoping to get more than 40,000 um, at Allegiant Stadium. I think a report a few weeks ago said they've only sold just a tad over 21, 22,000. And we're a bit, as you said, we're 31 days out from the start. Um, so the Valenti's also said that they hope to generate around or between 15 to $25 million in revenue from subscriptions of the Watch NRL app in America, particularly targeting the hundreds of thousands of Aussie expats that live over there. So in that regard, if you kind of look at those numbers, I think it is worth the investment. What do you I, think, Matty? I think that a lot of people have got to try and work out what the real reason is behind this and, and what you expect out of the NRL going to Vegas. Because in my opinion, this is all about one thing, which is exposure. This Mm -hmm. is where it's at right now. Crowd numbers aren't going to make a difference. They're not going to pick up 100 players who are all of a sudden going to be wanting to invest their time and skills and efforts into making an NRL career. That all may happen, which is absolutely to your point. So this is an exposure exercise. They're going over because they've got to be in your face in America. And on that level, I reckon it's worth it. Absolutely. If you think that the NRL is going to break into the American market and make a big splash, forget about it. Not yet. It ain't going to happen. If you think that there's going to be millions upon millions of dollars out of broadcast TV deals, forget about it. It ain't going to happen. I think we have to be really realistic about what the worth and what the value is of this. I'm all for it now. Absolutely. I was not critical of it. I was skeptical of it actually happening. And now that it's happening... And they've got it up and running. Now we have to work out what we expect from it. And I, the one thing I don't want to see is it was a flop because 20,000 people turned up. Mm-hmm. It, it, it can't be a flop because it's about exposure. And you can't have exposure without being there. And then two, three years down the track, we'll get the answer. Well, on. they've already promised um, or kind of guaranteed five year, a five-year plan, right? So what's that? Essentially, every, 20 teams are going to go over in total. So every single NRL team is going to have that Las Vegas experience. I think the only way you can say is, that, is, it, is it a flop is maybe next year or in a few years' time, if they're not growing in any shape, way, or matter, the crowds aren't getting bigger, the invest, well, the, the re- revenue, return of revenue isn't getting bigger, yep. then you can say it's a flop. If there's no growth there, then you can say, well, we were there for exposure. The exposure is not helping. Yep. The thing about a five-year deal is you can always make it a one-year deal if you need to. So, yeah. uh, But I do agree with you. I think the combine part of it is going to be a critical part of it. The betting part of it is the biggest part of it. But I think the combine aspect of it could certainly have some legs down the future. So I think we're all in a grants on that one. I mean, th- we all think it's worth it. I think what we've got to all work out individually as fans of the game as this gets closer, happens, and then gets debriefed to the nth degree, is what did you expect from it? And what do you expect from it now? If you can get, at the the end of this experiment, like this five-year experiment, right, if you can get um, a handful of players, a handful of American players contracted to NRL clubs, you can get millions of dollars um, received in revenue from Watch NRL app 
subscribers and, you know, gambling partnerships over there in the States. To me, that's a success because you're boosting your financial profile essentially as the NRL and you're also getting more players and more international players into your league, which I think is only a good thing. Let's thrash this one out in the world of golf. Let, you can have your say on that one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. If you'd like to join this thrash it out Thursday conversation, do so. You have got an opposing view? Fire it on in. In golf, we're starting to get to the pointy end of this whole PGA Live thing, shuffling itself out, right? And I think the future is going to be for golf players being drawn back into the PGA. So let's look at the PGA Tour itself as the traditional style of golf versus format of live. Now that format might be teams. It might be the way that it continues to go, but let's put the format sort of in the big bash kind of scenario. What's going to, what's going to drag you to golf in the future? Are you going to watch golf for the players or are you going to watch golf for the format? Okay, I'll start off here. I'm not the biggest... I don't watch a lot of golfing events throughout the year. I'll put my hand up and say that, right, Matty? But what I will say this, if the format intrigues me a little bit, I'm all for format rather than the players. So as a new viewer, essentially, because yep. they're trying to get you, Coach yeah, Absolutely. K. That's who absolutely. they're trying to get here, Yep. right? So they're trying to work it out, the ownership, and then they'll have to work out how they're going to get you to give them 30 bucks a month or a year or whatever it is to say, I want to subscribe to my golf channel. So what's going to get you at the moment? You're probably leaning towards format. 100% Bells and whistles, format. bright colours, yep. the lot. The lot. Throw the beers on the on the green. Let's go. Tommy? Well, I think, so this morning I was very heavily players, right? And I think that was the main thing that Liv were doing. That Like they were just throwing money at these big name players to get the stars there because essentially people will turn out to watch the stars. But I think what Liv has done well, and you saw that was kind of highlighted last year in that Adelaide event, is they kind of had the perfect mix of stars headlined by Australia's very own Cameron Smith, but also the format was appealing. I mean, they had that party hole, and we had that great audio of Matty Rogers on the party hole. Mm. Um, I don't remember what number it is. My mates, a bunch the, of my mates the party there. hole's there in the Arizona. Yeah, that's a good Phoenix point. the Phoenix event, right? So the party hole's already there. Mm-hmm. That's not a format change. That, that's that's an entertainment change. Experience and entertainment change, yeah. I think, uh, uh, so I'll go back to my original point that I was speaking about it with you before the show then. I think golf... What Liver doing? What Liver doing, or, or they're trying to do in the future as well? They're trying to make it more, or that they've got these teams, right? Make it team orientated. Yeah. But I still think that people want to go out and just watch the best players. I mean, like a big thing. Why Australian golf supporters have been big fans of Live? I, I won't say majority, but some is because they've kind of been starved of the biggest golf stars the last twenty years. You know, the US PGA Tour has kind of turned a Blind, blind eye to Australian golf fans the last 20 years. And Liv said, all right, we'll bring him back down. John Rahm said, my favorite Liv event of last year was Adelaide. I want to play at Adelaide. Like, if you're a golf fan, you go, oh, sweet. I'm, I get to go see John Rahm. And you might get the guys, the golf fans on the periphery there. So I still think at the, at the end of the day, they want to see the best players available. And if you can provide that, then you'll get the fans there. Yeah, no, I, my way of looking at it is I, I like the, the players. I'm, I'm up for the best players playing the best tournaments and I'm up for them playing tournaments um, as I know golf. I like some of the bells and whistles to it, but if it's format that I'm that I'm going to be tried to be sold on, not really. I'm not really into teams golf that much. I'm not into the shotgun starts and all that kind of stuff. And the, the money's the money. That's their money. It doesn't make any difference to me whether they win $20 million or get $200 million check. For me, I want to see the best players at the best venues, mm-hmm. playing the best tournaments. I think the yeah, the money doesn't really matter. The money is just a headline. 
You know, John Rahm signs for five hundred million dollars. That's the headline. Yeah. And but that's about the, ownership. That's, that's got yeah, nothing to do with the it, game. Exactly. And you know, fans fans see that they go, Oh my god, that's amazing. But then they forget about that. If I can go see John Rahm in a few months' time in Sydney or Queensland or whatever, that's what matters. So I'm for players. Coach K, you're for format. Format. Players, yeah. Players. All right. Our final one. Now, this has got everyone talking this morning on our morning show, uh, Thrash It Out Thursday. The pub test. The four stars that turned up to the Sydney pub yesterday and got Sydney talking. We're talking Ash Barty, Damien Oliver, John Aloisi, and Alexander Volkanovsky. We decided to put a bit of a spin on this, to say, righto, you turn up to that pub, but one of those has got to go. If you're going in, one of them's got to go, and you make the choice. Who are you kicking out? Are you kicking out Ash? Our Ash? Mm. Australian Open winner? Grand Slam winner? Well, they're all our athletes. They're all Aussies. Yeah, fair enough. But I mean, have you ever heard anyone say our Damien? No. No. (laughs) Come on. Okay. So Ollie, three-time Melbourne Cup winner. That's Ollie. Yep. Yeah. John Aloisi. Hello. Mm -hmm. And then the vault. And the vault. Well, yes. I like how you did that. You just kind of said the vault. Sparingly, like he doesn't really, he doesn't really fit in there with the other three. Well, I don't know. Well, okay. I think, okay, let's speculate here. Let's who thrash would, it out. Who would have the best stories to tell out of the four of them? That's a good shout. That's and that's really what it will come down to for me, because if you can, you can well, cross a few of them out. Well, I, I mean, without being disrespectful, we know we know which story John Aloisi is going to go to. Yeah, right. He'll harp on about it. <laughs> <laughs> but wouldn't you? Yeah, you would. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Ollie's got a few. Yeah, he right? does. And there are a lot of colourful stories in the world of racing. Mm. Ash Barty's got quite a few. She would. And Volkanovsky lives in a totally different planet to the rest of us. Yeah, so totally if you go in stories, I'm, I'm like Volk's guaranteed to be there, like for me. And I'd probably say, I'd probably kick out Ollie out of the four there. Right, Sorry, so Ollie. Ollie's gone. I love, I love my racing, but yeah, yeah, probably Ollie's gone. And you're, you, you part own a racehorse. I part own a racehorse. And you've yeah. got access for an afternoon. Yeah, with Damon Oliver. On the cans. With D Oliver, yeah, and you're going to kick. Well, he's him not out. racing anymore, is he? I can't convince him you're to kick come him back out. and show some decorum. Yeah, All I'll right. kick him out. Okay, so Ollie's oh, out. Oh. In your opinion, I'm going to kick out John Aloisi. Wow. Yeah, I don't know. I just feel like Ash Barty. I mean, John did play overseas. Just like Ash being on tour, being number one for a while. There's got to be some really John, good stories. For there. me, John is on, and it's funny because I'm going to use an American term here. Um, he's part of the Mount Rushmore moments in Australian sport for mm. me. Yeah, like one, those like. He is part of the big four for me, so I can't kick him out. Can't kick him out. No way. Okay. No. Who are you going for, Matty? Volkanovski. Oh. Hey, so we're all different. That's good. Go on, Skip. Volkanovski, go on, Skip. Wow. Yep. Try to tell him that. I know. <laughs> no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let the bouncer tell him that. Yeah. So there's our pub test. Uh, our four stars, one's got to go, and we've all gone different. So we've ended up with a very different scenario. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. I think we thrashed a few things out. Let's go to the break. 25 past 11 for our Sydney listeners, 25 past 10 in Queensland. The Lexus Pipe Pro, as it's now called, uh, the Pipeline Pro Masters or whatever we used to know it as, is continuing into the opening round heats. And I'm just trying to see what happened here to the Australians in the opening round. And that last one that we just viewed, as I mentioned, Jack Robinson going straight through and... Some of the other Aussies, Jacob Wilcox. So he did make it through in the end. He advances to the elimination round. Well, third in his heat, but he's obviously still there. So he'll be in the elimination round. Okay, so we'll keep our eyes on that one. Your text messages. Matty, I'm asking Volk to leave, says PG. Why? Just look at this morning's headlines. Massive crackdown on concussions in sport. Yet in their uh, profession, 
opponents get floored, punched in elbow in the head, etc. We're a strange race, says PG. We haven't got into the concussion issue this morning. Um, I urge you, if you would like to have a listen, go to our SEN socials and um, the app, of course, and you can listen to an interview that Jared Waitley has done this morning with um, one of the leading spokespeople and one of the architects of this report that's come out from the Australian Institute of Sport because there's a very different scenario to play out once you actually hear and understand what this report actually really means versus some of the headlines that we're seeing. Now, there's truth in all of this, but at the end of the day, the biggest sport concussion shake-up in our history, this is aimed at community-based sports, so taking it away from elite sports. It's been made very clear this morning that um, they don't believe, the proponents of this report don't believe at all that contact sports should be banned for kids. In fact, they think the opposite. Um, They know that if we take away those sports for kids in particular at the age of 14 or whatever, that they're going to lead a more sedentary life and it's going to lead to bigger problems. So this is about, at that level, providing a thought process around what you do with athletes, for instance, or kids into adults who may suffer the effects of concussion. And one of the interviews that I heard this morning was very well put at the top of all this is the premise of getting the message out there that when you're not in an elite sport and you don't have medical professionals around you and you don't have protocols in place around you, whether you agree with, agree with them or not, that you need to go straight back to the when in doubt, sit them out, which is pretty simple in my opinion. Now, then we start talking about 21-day rest periods and all that kind of stuff. But when in doubt, sit them out. And to me, that's a very good message to start with, especially when the clear message at that level is unfortunately not as clear as it should be right now. Because a lot of people who don't have those protocols in place and all that stuff don't know which way to go. But in the first instance, when in doubt, sit them out. In the second instance, of course, you want to try and make sure that there's an assessment done and there are tools outside of taking him to a GP. If nine-year-old Jimmy gets knocked in the head and you can't get him to a GP, there are tools to try and assess whether or not, obviously, if it's a bad one, you go straight there. But there are ways and tools and means of trying to assess whether or not there are effects or side effects of a bad knock. But when in doubt, just sit them out and then work from there. And the other thing is this isn't a law as well. The Australian Institute of Sport, and they're being slammed as soft and all that kind of stuff, this isn't law. This is a recommendation to say, under all of our research and all of our opinion base and all the professional um, advice that we've been given, this is what we think. When in doubt, sit him out. It's a pretty good message, in my opinion. Ricky Ponting is going to join us soon. We'll go to the news first. Thank you, Vanessa. Looking forward to this chat with my next guest. It's always great to catch up with former Australian cricket captain, a man who loves his wine so much that he decided to make his own wine and put his name on it. Pontingwines.com.au is where you go. Ricky Ponting is on the line. G'day, Rick. G'day, Matt. How are you? Good, mate. Good to catch up with you. Let's start with cricket, obviously, and your reaction last night to Mitch Marsh getting the Alan Border medal and, and the speech that followed. It's all about being yourself, isn't it? <laughs> uh, yeah, no great surprise to hear Mitchell Marsh get up and make a, a speech like that um, after receiving that award. I actually caught up with a few boys in the lounge and we were um, leaving Brisbane after the test match and 
asked a few questions of some of the lads as to who they thought would win. I think the overall riding consensus was that they, they thought it was probably going to be Pat Cummins who's probably going to win it, but they thought Mitchell Marsh would be around around the mark somewhere. But as it turned out, he was a, a very dominant winner. And as, as you can, you can, I mean, he's very emotional with it as well because it was only you know, six, eight months ago where he, he wasn't even in the test team. He only got back into the test team because of an injury to Cameron Green in the middle of that Ashes series. And, and since then, he, he hasn't looked back. He's played with this, you know, um, sort of unwavering freedom. The way he's gone out and approached his batting every game has been exactly the same. You know, he's, he's trying to score runs as quickly as we can. And when you've got Travis Head at five and him at number six in that Aussie team and they get going, it's a it's a pretty dangerous setup. So, look, I'm, I'm really thrilled for him. I'm I'm lucky I'll get to coach him at the uh, at the Delhi Capitals as well in the IPL. So um, hopefully he can bring some of this form from the summer across there to the IPL in a couple of months' time. Just on that, and we were talking about this this morning, because there is a balance, Ricky, isn't there? When you come into an Australian setup, right, and, and no matter what stage you're at in your career, you're coming into a, a pretty imposing kind of setup where you want to fall into the standards, which are extremely high. And the standards are being driven by those that are around you, you, you want to find that that balance now of letting the player play with freedom and use his skills and la- the love of the game, all of that stuff. Now when you've got your coaching hat on, how do you approach that kind of balance when you when you see a player like a Mitch Marsh in that scenario? Oh, look, I think, I think with that, and I think coaching is changing all the time and evolving all the time, all the time and that's across all sports. I mean, I think we first saw it maybe three or four years ago, you know, Melbourne Footy Club are making an example of them over here in the AFL, you know, not wanting to go on their pre-season camp and telling the coaches they didn't want to go and, the, you know, the whole camp got cancelled as a result of that. Um, so, but really coaching now is is knowing and, and identifying the characters and the personalities that you've got to work with and finding a way to make them uh, as comfortable as possible, but also finding a way to challenge them and make them better players. Um, and I think that, you know, you heard... Uh, Mitch talked last night about Andrew McDonald and Pat Cummins, you know, believing in him and and just letting him be himself and and trusting their preparation. I think that's that's a big part of it. It's easy to sit back as a coach and and you think you've got all these great ideas about the right preparation, the right right way for these guys to play. But at the end of the day, they've got to work it out for themselves and they've got to be confident within their own skin to go and play that way. At the end of the day, you know, they, the players are living and dying by the sword as well. It's it's yeah. their performances, it's their career. You're just trying to find a way to make them better. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It always comes back to the individual, doesn't it, at the end of the day? Just a quick one again on, on the coaching scene. Is there anything for us to, to dig into around the Washington freedom? Is, are those discussions that, that are being reported taking, taking place with Major League over there in the States? Yeah, there have been some discussions. We're not, we're not there yet. I mean, I've, I, haven't, I haven't committed to anything just yet, but um, I've, had some, I've had some initial discussions. Um, you know, the time of the year, Sort of fits in okay for me, but I've got a really hectic um, off season again. Well, when I say off season, there's no <laughs> no such thing as an off season for for cricketers anymore. I mean, I've I've finished now. I've got a, a few weeks now um, before the IPL. The IPL sort of rolls into the T20 World Cup, and then MLC is immediately after the the T20 World Cup. So it's yeah. um, potentially another another big year of uh, of time away if I want it. So they're the things I've just got to um, work through. You know, from if I'm actually going to be commentating the T20 World Cup or not, and then you know, if if I'm not doing that, you know, where does MLC fit in? But you know, I, I love I love the coaching side of it. I think everyone knows that I've really enjoyed the time that I've had at the IPL over the last six or seven years, and I've I've been able to help out around the Aussie team on a couple of tours. You know, when Justin was coach, so um, you know, the game's in my blood, and I love working with 
the best players in the world and trying to find a way to make them better and, and winning some games along the way. And you always find time for wine, right? So, in fact, your, your partner in crime at Ponting Wines, Dave and I were talking last week about this time of the year for, for them and, and for Ben when you maybe have a day or two or a weekend or two to get your hands dirty back at Ponting Wines and, and whether or not they look forward to it. Now, David said, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So where are you at with Ponting Wines at the moment? I know you're going to head to Hobart next week to meet some of the growers. So this is your opportunity, quite literally, that little window that you talk about, mate, to get your, your hands dirty again. Yeah, it's normally we normally find some time during the middle of the winter as well where I, I get across to McLaren Vale probably three or four times a year to catch up with our winemaker, Ben Riggs, um, and yeah, I'll be in Hobart. Yeah, just say next Thursday night we've got a dinner, uh, a wine dinner down at, at in Hobart, and then the next morning we'll get up and meet, go and basically door knock all the growers in Tasmania and try and find which ones are going to be willing to give us sort of what we need to keep producing our wine out of Tassie. So, um, yeah, I mean it's it, it's about four years in the making now. This this wine label that you know my wife and I actually started together along with, so then along with David Krenich and and, and Ben Riggs and. Mm-hmm. Um, Look, it's been a lot of fun. Like my wife and I, we we love wine. You know, we love drinking wine, obviously, but we've loved the journey of of um, getting to know more about it, uh, meeting some great people, knowing more about the regions, knowing more about the making that Ben's been able to educate us on. Um, but at the same time, it, it's a real challenge. You know, it's it's a hard industry to to crack, and you know, awareness for us brand wise is the thing I think that's probably holding us back more than anything else. Um, and I think the fact that People still, even if they see a bottle um, ponting wine um, in a bottle shop, I don't think they actually understand that it's mine or it's, it's ours. That we, you know, I think people think it's a another ambassador sort of deal that we, you know, we're sticking our name on the front of a bottle, but it's not that at all. We're working twenty four seven on our own business, um, you know, trying to create something um, extra special that our kids might want to, you know, take over in twenty or thirty years time when Rihanna and I have had enough. So it's. Um, mm. It's a slow burn, but it's been a lot of fun. I'll tell you the feedback we've been getting, Rick, since our partnership together here at SEN and Ponting Wines is that people also love the stories behind that. And as they're getting used to I mean, you obviously know that our audience know exactly who you are and your input into this. And my chats with Ben around the making process and David around the business process as well. But people love those stories that a label can tell. You know, the, the 366 Shiraz Cabernet, the pinnacle that you've got, the storylines that go behind the bottles of wine, I guess you must you must find a little bit of a balance. For instance, when you're going to have that um, that, that dinner down there in Hobart, that, that there will be those kind of questions. So why did you pick this story to go with that wine or why did you pick this wine to go with that story? Are you getting that? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, and it was a big it was a big part of um, starting out on this journey was making sure that we were telling story through the brand because it's it's it's, that, it's telling that story that keeps people um, intrigued and involved and, and want to come back. You know, you say that they might buy the Pinnacle Shiraz one day, and that you know that tells the story about Ashes cricket and how I've always felt that Ashes cricket is the pinnacle of our sport. And then you might move on to the next one. There might be the close of play, and, and you know why do I call it the close of play? Because at the end of my career, I was I was sitting around in the change rooms, not having half a dozen beers like we used to, but actually sitting around with some of the uh, the older. Uh, well, I can't call them more cultured guys because they're not that cultured. But um, you know, the older blokes like a Langer or a Hayden were having a glass of red wine rather than having you know a truckload of beer. So that was why that one was called the the close of play. So, mm. and even the fact, Matt, that you know, I'm, being from Tasmania, if I'm if I'm being authentic about telling story, I wanted to make sure that I had enough Tasmanian wines in the range as well. So we've got. Mm four Tasmanian ones in the range. We've got a, a Tasmanian Pinot Gris, 
a Chardonnay and two Tasmanian Pinot Noirs that, that sort of, you know, tells the whole story about where I'm from and my upbringing and, you know, my career, my local career club. So one of them, one of the Pinots was called the Mowbray Boy, because anyone that, if you asked anyone in Tasmania about me, the first thing they'd say was, would be that he's, oh, yeah, he's a Mowbray yeah, Boy. Mowbray Boy, yeah. Um, so there's all these stories to tell. The labels, obviously, are, are very cricket-themed, you know, with the, the cream labelling and the, and the gold and, and green caps. That, that's sort of sp- supposed to represent a, the same colour as a, a baggy green cap and the, and the creams are the same colour as, as your test creams that you wear when you play a test match. So, um, yeah, there's story there's story to be told on the back of each bottle and, and that was, you know, Brianna and I worked really hard on making sure we got all those stories exactly the way that we wanted them. Yeah, it's good stuff. So, look, our listeners have been well and truly invested in it, pontingwines.com.au, and we've given them a code too, Rick, SEN20, offers them 20% off purchases direct from the winery. So you got that dinner next Thursday down there in Hobart. Um, all the very best with that. Great to catch up with you, mate, and enjoy what little time you get in between the breaks. And thanks for being part of our little show here on SEN. Always a pleasure, Matt. Ricky Ponting joining us there. Pontingwines.com.au is the address to go to. The stories that we tell you week in and week out um, are really fascinating. And you can follow those stories, obviously, alongside all of the the wines and the collection and the shopping and all that business on pontingwines.com.au. Some great insights from former Australian captain, one of the legends of the sport in Ricky Ponting. Uh, our thanks to Ricky Ponting there, pontingwines.com.au. Isn't it great to chat to the man himself? Now, Coach K, you were saying that Ricky's the kind of bloke that you, like, you know, we speak to a lot of sporting superstars. He's the one that makes you go, <gasps> Oh, 100%. I actually think I was filling in for Tommy one day and I didn't realise he was calling in. So that Ricky Ponting... Who Tommy was calling well, in. I no, mean, Rick... I know he get, he gets people, you know. <laughs> Ricky was calling in. Yeah. But the name wasn't saved in the phone box, uh, which is how he answered the calls. So right. it comes on number and he goes, so hi, the... it's Ricky Ponting here. Sure. And I just went, oh, how good is this? Yeah, yeah. I would have said, sure. Yeah, sure yeah, it it's is. Humphrey B. Bear here, mate. <laughs> yeah, who's calling? Is that you, Reptile? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's good. But, uh, sorry to Todd on the text line. Your text came through. I, I didn't get a chance to ask Punter about any good greyhounds. Matt says, Matty, a fictitious scenario for you. Nathan Cleary gets concussed in a prelim, which Penrith win. He feels great or weak, but is forced to miss the grand final due to these rules. It's his life. I say, let him play, question mark. Well, it is a fictitious scenario, but there are clear rules in place for the NRL and protocols in place. This is an advice being put out by the Australian Institute of Sport for levels that aren't at professional sport. So completely different under what is called these rules, Matt. Uh, And I know that you're saying a fictitious scenario, but this is an advice under these ones to say there would be a 21-day rest period for, and it's, it's aimed at kids. It's going to cover all community sport, but it's aimed at kids. A 21-day rest period here and go back to that premise, like I said, when in doubt, sit them out. Now, totally different scenario when you're thinking about professional sport because they've got professionals looking after them on a daily basis. That's kind of it on that one. But thanks for that. Speaking of the reptile, he says, golf needs more tournaments internationally and in Australia so we can engage in the players and learn to follow the international players, not just the Australian players. Well, one of the things that live golf did deliver, as Tommy pointed out, to Australia was the players that had been missing for a long time for various reasons. And 
does that have a flow-on effect? Well, we saw the success of the Australian Open and the PGA Championship over the summer that's just gone, and finally it's getting its back, it getting back up and running again. But it's always been one of our hardest things to try and bring that standard of player out here because they're the kind of golfers that you want to go and watch. So, yeah, if we could have more tournaments internationally and more in Australia, then we can get more engagement. I guess, Reptile, the question then is, what kind of tournaments are they going to be? Because let's face it, the PGA Tour has brushed Australia forever. Now, Liv has come down to Australia and had instant success. It's a fairly big up yours to PGA Tour and would remain that way until they both get back into bed together again, which is going to happen soon. All right, Tommy. Coming on in. Jimmy Smith is coming up a little bit later on, uh, but couldn't come into the studio because he won't sit near Coach K. They're yeah. blueing. No, no, no. no. <laughs> They're not. They're not. Oh, Coach K on the old switcheroo has come in and is in charge of the panel as we speak. Righto. Morning, Matty. Let's get you locked and ready to roll. That was that was my bad. I had to disengage Am I on? A few I'm on. Um, so just thanks again. Just that text there from Matt, a fictitious scenario. Well, that it's already in play. If he suffers, right. a, if That's he exactly suffers right. a category one concussion in a prelim final, Nathan Cleary or any player for that can't matter play. can't play in the yeah, grand final. Right. That's right. Saw so then the finals last year. Joseph Swaliti, remember in week one of the finals against the Sharks, yeah. got hit in the head. At um, stayed on, then at half time was having delayed symptoms. Didn't play the second half. Was ruled out of that week two match against the Melbourne Storm because it was deemed a category category one, and it was um, what six days later. So. We don't have to wait for these new rules being advised to junior players for it to already have an impact on the on the NRL. Yep. NRL system's already there. I, players are going to miss origin and finals matches in the future because of these concussion policies. Does it suck? Yeah. But in the long term, it's good. There's clear protocols, like I said. Don't Whatever you do when you read, without going further into what the Australian Institute of Sport has put out as a recommendation, don't get it mixed up with the professional sport protocols that are already in place as protocols that they must adhere to. This is a different scenario on that one. Look, at the end of the day, are we doing enough or are we doing too much or not enough? Well, if you're falling in the middle there, then at least you're hitting a mark. And anything around concussion, which is going to be a huge, huge issue that can at least make people aware of what they need to do and avoid the problems further down the track, we should be doing it. No doubt about it, we should be doing it. They're not going to get everything right. But saying to 14-year-old kids, don't play sport, is not the right way to go. And they know that. They're not recommending that. What they're doing is saying to those around them, this is how we can put things in place to make sure that there aren't further effects down the line. And it's already happening on an elite level, and now it's getting into a community level. Uh, I'm all for it. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy 1170 is my open line number. We're back after this to wrap it up. Jimmy Smith will be covering that concussion issue with Dr. Alan Pierce on his program and also Adrian Prezenko on the show as usual. The run home with Joel and Fletch this afternoon. Their season preview continues for NRL 2024. St. George Illawarra in focus today and Flano will be on the show this afternoon. Tomorrow, Lisa Stalaker will be joining me. So we'll be calling uh, the second of the ODIs, Australia v. the West Indies out at the SCG. And Lisa will be there with me. Uh, Socky, 
and Trent Copeland as well. Uh, we'll do our top tips with Chris Nelson, Jaleesa Rapps on the show, Robbie Slater on the show as well. So that's all ahead of us tomorrow. Bulldog Bob, I'll give you the final say on the pub test. You say, Matty, the pub test, love them all, but unfortunately the Volk has got to go. Um, the other three have retired and can stay for a few schooners and a chicken snitty, whereas the Volk is still in training and will probably drink water and probably leave early anyway. Okay. That was good fun today. Our Thursday thrash it out session is up and running for 2024. The last listener standing quiz was ropey at best. But, hey, we'll work on that one. That's okay. Thanks for your company today. I hope you have a great Thursday. The rest of it, stay tuned because Jimmy Smith is coming up and we'll come back and do it all again tomorrow morning. Bye for now and have a great day, everybody.